like an absolute eternity since the Raw played last Friday night. Just a few things have been going on in the world of football since then, and we've got quite a lot to talk about on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Hello everyone, it's James Scott and Adam here on this Wednesday evening. As Well, I would say we're feeling super about a league win, but uh, well, it's been a very, very, very interesting week. Scott, Yeah. how yeah. long ago does it feel like since the Raw won back-to-back A-League games? I'm not sure, but I am feeling super, by the way. Adam, how about you? I'm good. Uh, Planet Football never fails to disappoint, and it's uh, funny that a competition has has been born and died in the time that uh, we've recorded two shows. Yeah, so anyway, uh, Adam, you dropped out there for a second on the Skype recording, so we'll just assume you said you were good. Yes, so everyone yeah, I'm good I thought he said he was Planet the sole, sole creator of the Super League, so I thought he just said. <laughs> so, yes, technology. Sorry, focus up, go ahead. I was going to say, yes, technology doing us uh, plenty of favours once again. The good news is because we are recording all on our own ends, that does actually mean that uh, you'll have heard what Adam said, and we'll just have to assume that he said that uh, Everton are now Premier League champions and kings of the world. That would be accurate. <laughs> All right, so we are, of course, a Brisbane uh, football and Queensland football-based podcast. We will get on to the uh, just absolutely bizarre stories from Europe a little bit later on. But you know what? We need to start off on a positive note, and we'll go to Bankwest Stadium on Friday night when the Raw defeated Western Sydney 2-1 to take six points from their New South Wales April swing. Thanks to goals from Josh Brindle South and Riku Danzaki, Bruce Kamau, had the goal for the Wanderers. And, well, overall, Scott, I kind of felt like that was probably the most convincing uh, I've seen the Raw play uh, for quite a while, even though they were tested by the Wanderers. Yeah, this was a really, really positive performance, wasn't it? We saw them break their winless run a week ago to the Raw, and they followed through that confidence once again away from home in Sydney on Friday night. And this was a better performance than the one against MacArthur. I thought the, the football was really, really, really well done. And you can really see that front third and... Almost the whole front half of the field really clicking now. I'm not sure if what's changed, but it's just maybe it's a bit of luck. But the front is clicking really, really well at the moment. The movement that Champness and Danzaki are providing around with Wenzel's energy, it's really, really encouraging at the moment. And there's a lot to like about it. And it's two wins, and the roar have gone from we've talk, got, talk, gone from talking about the roar of will they make the finals or will they not to they might host a final. It's amazing how quickly things change, but the these last couple of weeks have been really, really good. In this absolutely chaotic A-League season, I'm really not ruling anything out, Adam. But to me, the inclusion of Joey Chapness has really been uh, what swung this uh, performance of the forward line. Yeah, he, he had a uh, an excellent game. He looked as lively as ever. Um, he's um, he's sort of, ever since of he's been getting on, you know, getting logging up plenty of minutes. You know, he sort of had disrupted sort of you know start the season. Obviously, having to sit out the uh, two fixtures against um, his parent club, Newcastle. But now he's getting decent minutes. It seems like his confidence is starting to build, and that's only a good thing for that raw front third. But it looks overall, it looks like it's finally clicking. I think that's, I think that's, it's one of those cases of, yeah, eventually it was going to click. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, look, I think it's fair to say that Champness has never been a player that's been short of confidence. He, you know, has the ability to get up on stage and perform rap music, something that I will never, ever have the spine to do in my life for a number of reasons. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel like he's, you know, really starting to find his identity on the pitch again. And the way that he just takes on defenders is really well suited to the style of football that Warren Moon wants to play. Yeah, we definitely can't play any of that rap music on this show either without a different rating. But <laughs> he's, he's, it's it's taken him a little while, hasn't it? Given he was in the in at the start there for the first game, then dropped out, and it's taken him a while. It seems to get back into real football shape, if you like, not physical fitness, but the the grind of football week in week out. And now he's really excelling with that once again. He's getting right back to that form we saw with him when he was in Newcastle in that year, where they. Un- completely by surprise made it to the grand final and he's getting back to that form now and he's looking really really dangerous in that front though the assist for the game winning goal for Riku that is absolutely sublime stuff and he had Ziggy Gordon on toast for the majority of that game and you just kept saying just, just keep feeding him the ball he's going to make something happen it, the, the, the way he was playing he was going to make something happen at some point and it was a great bit of play to create the goal but across the board he was superb yeah, there's not a lot that you can really fault Champness for his efforts over the last fortnight or so. And, you know, you really hope that this is something that the Raw can build on. And I, I want to get back to the Josh Brindle South goal as well, because that was right place, right time. But since you brought it up, we may as well just quickly talk about just the lightning quick and unbelievably efficient counterattack for the goal. It was Jay O'Shea who, again, is looking like his confidence is starting to really rise up again since he had that long range shot as well. But Peeing that beautiful pass for Champness to then just fire it across goal and having the confidence that Danzaki would be waiting to bury the chance. Overall, I think that's that's the sort of cohesion and everything that just hasn't quite been there up until the last couple of games. Yeah, the, the three parts of that goal, you know, the, the sort of lo- the long-range vision of Joe O'Shea to pick out you know, a running um, Joey Champness. And as I said, that cross, that, that's... You know, I'm not going to use the over, the overused cliche of world class, but it was excellent. Um, the technique was brilliant, and I think also as well, you got to give credit to um, Riku Danzaki, who you know who sort of had the, the wear it all to actually sort of go you know, to track that ball and sort of you know attack it to um, to get in for an easy um well, not call easy, but a the sort of the tap in. So that that just the whole play was just was just beautifully executed, and that's the sort of stuff that you know is is just it's beautiful football. That's what that's what you want to see. Yeah, and watching it, okay, I, I will admit I was probably not being the most social per- person at uh, my friend's bachelor party over the weekend. Uh, streaming uh, p- the bits of this game that I could see live and then watching it on the replay, that's the sort of goal that you see people do in FIFA and they complain that oh, the game's just too, I suppose, scripted and everything. Like, the, that, the two passes and the finish, that was straight out of a video game with that level of precision. Yeah, it was. I mean, it might look easy, but it's not easy. The The ball over the top from Jay O'Shea has to be perfect there, otherwise it goes too far over the goal line for a goal kick. The first time cross from champs like that, that's a very hard thing to do, and the energy from Denzaki to get there is not easy either. So, well, it looks quite simple in the way it was executed. The individual parts are much more difficult than you'd think. That's a, we've seen the Ross score a couple of really good team goals this year, the one in Perth where Hingott scored from the cross from Corey Brown, I think it was. That was a nice team goal in terms of build-up play, a lot of passes. This was just a really good slick move, and I thought it was, it was just... It always sums up what the Roar have been about in these last couple of games and the improvement we've seen in them. 
things like that, goals, goals and chances like that, weren't being created previously, and that's the encouraging sign is that they, that chances like that are now coming. Yeah, and then and they're converting on it as well because we'd seen them get you know two thirds of the way through the move and then just overhit a pass, maybe uh, force you know Corey Brown or Jack Hingett or in this case Brindle South to maybe check the runs as they try and work their way through. But the Wanderers gave them the space to function and it was really, really encouraging. Now, uh, I want to go back to the opening goal, Scott, because uh, you've got a stat about Josh Brindle South scoring his first goal for the club. Yes, he's the 94th goal scorer for the Brisbane Roars and it was uh, another really good goal, wasn't it? We've seen Josh Brindle South score plenty of goals like this in the NPL Queensland for Lions in the last couple of years getting forward into the box, arriving late into the box, and this is what he does in the front third, and as, as he gets more and more comfortable playing regularly in the A-League, I know it's his second stint in the league, but it's seven years since his first stint, so it's, it's hard to hold that against him. He's basically a new rookie in the in the A-League, given how long he's been out of it. The more he gets used to playing at this level, the more we're going to see that from him in terms of getting forward and the comfort getting forward, so this is it's, it's a really positive. I know Jack Hing gets back fit now, and it's interesting to see who will hold, get that spot going forward. But if Josh Brindle South does get, keep getting regular football, this is what you can expect from him. He gets forward into the box. He's got a good cross on him. He doesn't mind a shot. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's more goals from between now and the end of the year either. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting conundrum at right back because um, I feel Josh Brindle South is probably a better attacker than um, Jack Hingard. But obviously as well, Jack Hingard comes in his own as, as, served a, as a defensive uh, right back, so it's almost a horses of courses approach. But um, look, it was a um, but yeah, we've we've seen that uh, this sort of stuff from Josh Brindle South at the MPL level, where you know it was it was a you know, a decent shot by Dylan Wenzel Halls to draw the parry from uh, Daniel Margush, and he was there to to rifle at home. Um, it's through and actually through uh, Tate Russell's legs, so it was very well taken, very well timed. Um, but yeah, um, I think if. Yeah, you know, for the Raw, it's sort of having a look at a more attacking thing, sort of, you know, set up. I think Brindle South fits the bill, but, you know, you can't just ignore uh, Jack Hingott's contributions defensively. No, and but and that is, pro- again, as we've said all along, a fantastic problem for Warren Moon to have, where he's now able to say, all right, you know, we're facing, uh, like, well, for instance, Melbourne City. Maybe we need someone a little bit more defensive, and... Well, it's not to say Brindle South is any sort of slouch defensively, but you do need to probably go for your more reliable, more experienced option. And, you know, we may even wind up seeing uh, at some point, if Moon is, you know, possibly uh, flexible enough in terms of the formation, we could even wind up seeing Brindle South playing really far forward on that right wing if you are going for that sort of role. Kind of like when um, Hingert did start to break into the starting lineup, I want to say in 2013 14-ish, that Mike Mulvey season. Yeah, he, he and Ivan yeah. Franjic. Yeah, where yeah. Franjic essentially started as a right right sided attacker and then when they needed to, I suppose, bring on a little bit more pace, they'd sub off Hingit and bring on... Was that the Ben Halloran year or was that uh, someone else? Do you think it was? was that, wasn't that the year that Franjic left and then came back? No, that was before... No, that was his uh, final season before he went to, again, one of the best-named clubs in all of football, Torpedo Moscow. <laughs> Torpedo his career. Oh yeah, that 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 and the injury he got at the World Cup, which oh god, that yeah. that was brutal in that first game. He was playing so well. Anyway, back to actual current raw players, Scott. Um, yep. Do you want to set up this uh, soundbite we got from Warren Moon afterwards about Brindle South and the youngster Alex Parsons? 
Yeah, so he was asked in the press conference about a couple of players, and he's, he's a great story here about Josh Prindle South and also the development of Alex Parsons, so might well might as well cut to that now. Okay, this is Warren Moon in the press conference. Prindle South, it's quite amazing, his story. What, seven years after his debut, 28 years of age, he's managed to score his first daily goal. Can you talk a bit about that and sort of what he's gone through to get to this stage now? Yeah, look, I've, you know, I've known Josh since he was 17, and uh, he's been a, an excellent young player in the Queensland ranks coming through the system here. Went to Wellington um, as a young player, probably wasn't ready based on his personality and, and what, what it was like going into an environment like that. But, uh, and I've always said to him, when he gets an opportunity again, he will be ready because he's gone away, worked on this game, grown up, and, uh, and I think tonight showed uh, you know, he definitely belongs at this level. And Parsons seems to be giving you a bit of energy and menace off the bench there as well. Yeah, really pleased for Alex. You know, a player in our academy system who's playing in the NPL and performing. You know, he's the leading goal scorer in NPL Queensland. Constantly performs in training and he's deserved his opportunity. So, again, he came on tonight and made an impact and a real difference. And, uh, yeah, really happy for, uh, with what he's giving us at the moment. All right. And thanks to, I guess, the raw for that audio, Scott. You cut it up. It's from the A-League official press conference so okay well thanks to the uh, APL for that audio then I really am going to learn who to uh, properly thank for this stuff at some point it's only been I don't even know how many episodes now I've kind of lost count let's just say 180 odd anyway yeah so we, uh, we did also see one other uh, youngster coming back into play Adam with um, Tom Aldred's injury yeah, uh, yeah, Tom Aldred, uh, so he, he, uh, I think he, he twinged a hamstring or it looked like a leg injury. He, he got in a tangle uh, with, uh, I want to say, was it Scott Neville that he collided with um, in, in the in the build-up to the um, the Western Sydney Wanderers goal that uh, Bruce Kamau put through, you know, got through on goal and was able to equalise. Um, yeah, it was actually, we actually thought that Neville was the one who was actually that in probably a lot more trouble. But um, Tom Aldred had to come off, and uh, Kai Truen, uh, not only he no, he came on, but he performed admirably for um, for 65, 70 minutes. Uh, he like I think it's almost I think it's probably his best game um, for the Raw in in sort of a time of need. So you know, you know kudos to to uh, Truen, you know, for for a sensational effort, you know, in uh, deputising for the captain. That block in the last five minutes, that's absolutely crucial for the Royal season because it's its such a crucial win, this, over the Wanderers. We know they've got two games in hand, but that cuts the gap right back down now. And this is... The Raw now are in a tremendous place to at least finish ahead of the Wanderers, whether that's for fifth, fifth, sixth, sixth, seventh, seventh, eighth, who knows? Fourth, who knows? But it looks like they should be now able to finish ahead of the Wanderers. They look like they're going to be one of the contenders in one of those last final spots. So that block from Kai Truen is absolutely essential and his all-round defending actually looked a lot better it's like he's you can see the confidence growing in him he's obviously was targeted earlier by a couple of teams they really went at him and I think Perth for example when they played over there really went at Kai Truen with Diego Castro and he came through that pretty well and over the course of the season you can see the confidence growing in Kai and obviously the, the, the three at the back with Neville Alder and Gillespie if they're fit they're going to play but he looks like he's a really, really solid deputy who, if the Raw are call upon him in a big game going forward, you've got confidence he'll come in and do the job. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that is, you know, for all intents and purposes, the Raw have 
I would say, three fairly solid options to fill in in each of those three central defender roles. And that doesn't even include Jack Hingard, who I thought stood up in that game where it was a makeshift backline against the Wanderers on uh, Easter Saturday. And overall, yeah, I, yeah, it's good having that depth with Hingard, Truen, and uh, Courtney Perkins as well, who has been relegated to A-League level. But I just wanted to also say on Truen, like we, were, we sort of started to see him maybe fade a little bit as that intensity perhaps caught up to him a little bit. But just, you know, that little bit of time on the bench to maybe freshen himself up and just get his head right uh, even after a couple of, I would say, uh, fairly rough games, it's good to see him getting back on track. And just having that little freshen up really seems to have been a huge benefit for him. The one final point that I do want to also bring up is uh, Alex Parsons. And, yeah, you know what? I don't think he's going to win the NPL Golden Boot because I think his A-League commitments are going to prevent him from playing too big of a role in that uh, youth side, Adam. Yeah, we actually uh, went to Capella Bar on Sunday sort of thinking that you know, maybe this will be the last time we'll see him at NPL level because he, he's gone from a player that you know was sort of developing uh, as, a, as a prospect within sort of the NPL system to he, he's... He's gone beyond that now. He, he's getting half an hour at A-League level, back-to-back weeks. Um, and the way he's playing as well, that confidence is just shining through. And some of the stuff he did, just, just I watched the uh, highlights just before we came on air. and um, On NPL TV? On, on, I don't know. This is actually on uh, the A-League website from the game on Friday night. Yeah. And the couple of plays that he made... Um, in that, that just stood out. Like, that, that's a player that is playing with confidence. So, uh, yeah, I, I dare say that, you know, for those of us who, you know, watch at the MPL level, I think we may have seen the last of him for now, but um, that doesn't mean that he's not going to contribute to this A-League side in the run home to the finals. Yeah, it's just back to what you said about Kai True and that time on the bench helped him, James. I think it also helped Dylan Wenzel Halls, that one game where he was left out, that week off of starting. I think that's done him the world of good too, but with Alex Parsons, he looked really, really good in when he came on. I think it took about 10 minutes to get into the game, but when he got into the game, he looked exciting, dangerous, like he was going to score every time he got the ball. It was like what we've seen of him in the NPL. And it's the first I've really seen that from him in the A-League. The MacArthur game, he looked like he fitted in quite well, did what the team needed him to do. But in this game, he could have scored a couple of goals. I mean, the shot there was one shot just over the bar. From, at, from straight on, at, from deep, he had the shot from where he cut in off the right-hand side, which is very similar to the goal he scored against Gold Coast the week before in the NPL Queensland down there, and then he had the one which was blocked by a goal goal. So, I mean, look, there were a few... Look, it's it's really encouraging. Isn't it? it's, he's a young player who we've seen excel at the NPL level, and now we're seeing it in the A-League, and I reckon he's probably... Well, at the moment, he's the first attacking sub off the bench, isn't he? He came on after an hour. Yep. He was on ahead of all the others, so... He's very, very clearly in the picture. I, I agree. I don't think we'll see him in the NPL anytime soon. Yeah, well, it's a shame for NPL, but really good for the raw that they are bringing through players like Parsons. And it is also a nice reminder that the Raw's NPL side will still have uh, Eli Adams, uh, Keegan Yelisich, and a couple of other players to call on as well, including Cyrus Demi. Now, Adam... Uh, you want to have one final thought as well? Yeah, just a one final thought, just on Dylan Wenzel Halls. And we sort of uh, glossed over it last week, uh, but 
But uh, yeah, I think again it happened again against the Wanderers. I think he he as a striker. Look, we we're, we're big fans of of Dylan. We think he's great. You know, I just think, but he needs to work on his accuracy, his finishing. I think it's it's becoming apparent that you know, especially that Macarthur game, um, and as well as you know. Uh, as well as on Friday night, where he had some really, really good opportunities where you would expect a top-class striker to bury and perhaps make life a lot easier for the Roar. In fact, his his miss from five yards out with a header, um, then Wanderers go up the other end and score. Like I say, if it's 2-0, it's a very different game. So I think the next challenge and step for Dylan in his A-League career now is to go from a good striker that will score, you know, you know, great goals now and then to a striker that's reliable that will start scoring multiple goals in a game. I think that's where he needs to go. Look, that's not forgetting he's still a young player. It's probably his first full, probably second full season. Um, but yeah, I think he, he does need to um, to take his opportunities when they come, when they come because it's it's on him that, you know, he, he could you know, influence these games where they go from games of raw hanging on by the skin of their teeth versus they could be over over the hill and far away by half time as we've seen the last two weeks. Yeah, and on that as well, he is only twenty three. I'm yep. gonna I'm gonna guess that like that's one of those skills that probably does really get honed by a striker as they approach their mid twenties as well. So that'll still be coming. Um we did also have almost have the goal of the season. How much does J. O'Shea hate Woodwork Scott? Oh jeez. I mean you know I haven't been the biggest fan of him but that would have been <laughs> that would have that would have been the goal of the year if that goes in. He's been absolutely robbed there. And yeah, if you watch it back, you can see the little skip in his step as soon as he hit it. But he know he knew that was good. Oh, I see, that was that would have been amazing if that had gone in. But he was actually really impressive on Friday night, actually, James. Again, that deeper role, that second goal really sums up what he's best at to me. That delightful chip over the top to set up players in the front third. That's where I think he's, he can fit in. But we've been robbed there with that. That damn post or woodwork. So close. All right, before we move off the A League, Adam, your three, two, ones for the game. Yeah, we just we just mentioned the aforementioned uh, Jay O'Shea, and he got my three points. Not for d- that near miss, but look, he was he was fantastic. Um, sort of, you know, in that that uh, as I like to say, that quarterback role where he was controlling the play and he was very influential. Two points, Joey Champmas. You know, he had a great game, great assist, but also as well when he was on for the sixty-something minutes that he was on, you know, he was he looked a threat every time he had the ball at his feet. And one point to Jamie Young, uh, two two great saves. Dylan Dylan McGowan must uh, must be sick of the sight of Jamie Young because he's cost him two goals this season so far. A big save at the end. Um, yeah, look, and uh, Jamie Young keeps him in the game. But I'll preface it by saying that. Um, Look, we could have given points about seven players. Like it was a team effort, and so but they're the three that I've that stood out. Yep, fair enough. Okay, we're going to move on now and briefly do our NPL and news uh, wrap up because obviously, if you do want to get a full recap of the National Premier League's action from around Queensland, listen to the Brisbane Football Review Sunday Night Show, which is out strangely enough, every Sunday night on our regular podcast channels, Wooshka, Spotify, iTunes, etc., and also shared to our social pages as well. The Raw Review on Facebook and uh, at BNE Football on Twitter. I just had a mind blank there for a second. Good job, James. All right. As mentioned, you guys were out at Capalabar uh, Sunday evening for a 6-1 win. And Scott, how many layers did you need out there at Max Haynes Field? 
Uh, only two this time, but it's going to get colder as the season goes on. But you mentioned the NPL Sunday show, and on that, I was described multiple times as the Cyrus Demi show out there at Max Hansfield on Sunday, and it was most certainly was. And you mentioned he could be available for the NPL side going forward. I'm not so sure about that. He was he was electrifying on Sunday, and the second goal in particular for him was unbelievable. And this young raw side just continues to show what a great team they are. Alex Parsons did not play. On Sunday, he was there, but he didn't play. They just Keegan Yelich was injured. They didn't miss either of them. They were just on fire, and they're just a supremely good team to watch. They're getting a bit of a following now as well. I've noticed a few more Raw fans are getting out there on a weekly basis and supporting the team. I think that's great. That hopefully more Raw fans will get out there and support them as they travel around the southeast. So it's, they're playing some great football, James, and there's they. Again, just Demi was unbelievable. I don't know what else you can say. It was just, it was like he was showing he's ready for more regular opportunity in the A League. That's all you can say. Yeah, there's not much more I can add to that and what and what we spoke about on Sunday. I think Scott and I spent about 20 minutes dissecting that game. And um, yeah, uh, this raw side in MPL at the moment. You know, if if you're if you're a fan of the raw and you want to know what's maybe coming, you know, your way in the next you know, couple of years. Find out where this this MPL sign. Get out and see them. You know, obviously not having a home ground, they're going to be travelling all across, all across the grounds across MPL. You know, two trips to Mackay, including in a couple of weeks' time for our um, our supporters up there in the central in central Queensland. Check out this raw side because not only attacking, they're great defensively. They're they're lights out as well. Um, you know, Hassan Ramazani, Reese Gray, uh, Jackson Simkin made the uh, FQ team of the week as well. Yep, Jack, I was about to say Jack, Jack, Jackson Simpson's back as well. Um, yeah, and like I said, but just across the board, they're 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 a very good young side, very technically you know, gifted, and they're they're a joy to watch. Absolutely. Okay, uh, the FFA Cup is finally completing round four after lockdowns and weather just completely screwed us over at the start of April, and. Um, well, I actually had the uh, joy of commentating my first penalty shootout last night between Gold Coast United and Albany Creek Excelsior. It was, um, well, it really was a test of nerves at the end there as Gold Coast United buried all six of their penalties before and uh, Albany Creek only, uh, uh, they finally missed in the sixth round. It was a really good end-to-end game and an undermanned Gold Coast side, I thought, uh, acquitted themselves well and probably gave themselves quite a fairly handy confidence boost heading into what is going to be a very telling period for them, Scott. Firstly, how'd you go with calling the shootout? Because I know some commentators don't like it, some find it difficult, some enjoy it. How'd you go with it? I, I love it. I don't know, it's, it's good fun. Like, you get to, you know, cover the drama and everything. And the hard part is actually just not talking too much through the dead patch as well. And also making sure that... Uh, they have act- the keeper has actually made the save before um, before they uh, b- make sure it has happened because the one that Tim Lahif saved it actually just kind of dropped right in front of him and I was just waiting for that you know those viral videos you see of the keeper making the save or it bouncing off the crossbar and spinning in I was very very careful to make sure that that didn't actually happen there and so they- and he got a hand to it and it's saved but. Overall, yeah, like Gold Coast, they were missing, I think, seven of their uh, first-team regulars. And, yeah, they did quite well. Zahi Artis, phenomenal fullback, and Tim Lahif, the goalkeeper, two standout performers for them. 
Yeah, Tim Laheef, I think he, he goes down probably as um, you know, Gold Coast United saving, not only for saving the penalty, the the decisive penalty and scoring it himself to win it, but also it's all during the game. Um, look, we've got to give credit to Albany Creek uh, being, you know, unbeaten the BPL at the moment. They they looked very, very good, you know. I, I actually thought that maybe when Jared Cole smashed at home after 60 minutes, I thought, oh, that's it, Gold Coast are home, they're going to fold in. But that, to their credit, they, it's not, not that they, they didn't sort of, you know, fold fold up and say, oh, well, you know, we tried, we lost on MPL side. They actually took another step and actually looked like, you know, they were chasing the game. They were awarded through Ali Russell in, in about 15 minutes to go and really looked like, you know, at times, they, they could they, they could potentially could pinch it. But Tim Laheef made a couple of good saves. Um, yeah, it was just a very, very gritty, you know, tie between two sides that, you know, I guess on the uh, pyramid are, are separated by a number of teams. But a really good, really good game. But um, also as well, who would have thought that Grey Pittick side uh, practices penalties? <laughs> yes, the cup experts through once again. I'll give mm. them a quick update. I won't read through all the teams who are still in it, but there's still 10 MPL Queensland teams, eight from the FQPL. There's still five currently from the from the football Brisbane competition. One of those will be eliminated by the time you listen to this because Malcovat play a case region. One of those has to lose. So there'll be four left in the next round. Three from the Gold Coast. One, and then you've got up north, you've got Magpies Crusaders playing Frenchville this weekend and Edge Hill United from Cairns playing Brothers Townsville. So we're getting towards the um, business end of the FFA Cup, James, and it's this, after this weekend, there's going to be only going to be a couple of rounds left and it's always interesting to see who's taking it seriously and who's still there. I think Gold Coast kind of dodged a bullet against Albany Creek because they did, ha- they did have a lot of players unavailable for various reasons and... Albany Creek certainly gave him a really good test, and this is what you want to see. I mean, I thought this was going to be a close game. I agree with Adam. Once it went two-one to Gold Coast, you thought, "All right, this is just going to just going to drift into a three-one sort of win for Gold Coast territory." But the 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 fight in that Albany Creek side bodes really well for them, and you almost wish they were willing to put themselves into a FQPL two kind of mix, don't you? Because you can see that side competing really strongly at that level. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, round five of the uh, SEQ zone qualifiers will actually take place over the long weekend as well. So check out the club socials, check out the FQ socials and get out to a match this weekend if you can. I don't think any will clash with the Raw's A-League game on Sunday. So really no excuse. And let's be honest, cup football is a lot of fun. Although that being said, I do kind of think both sides would have been more than happy to just do penalties after 90 minutes last night. (laughs) Because, like, the extra time didn't quite have that same verve and vigour of the 90 minutes, I think also because there were about 18 of the 22-odd players on the pitch that were out on their feet by that stage. But anyway. I imagine Albany Creek wanted to get home as well, given it was a long drive down and it was late anyway. So and it maybe, was... they should, maybe that's something they could trial in the FFA Cup qualifiers straight to penalties. For, yeah, certainly. And also, you probably could have also uh, noticed it was quite cold down there based on the broadcast pictures of uh, people just getting completely rugged up and the steam coming off the players. So I'm sure I'll start to see fog roll across Talabudra Road at some point near the end there. It looked like it was about to roll in. Definitely. Um, all right, there was a weird little thing from uh, Robbie Slater during the week about Scott McDonald and his potential absence from the Raw um, saying that he's now trying to 
uh, is it, he's trying to engineer a move to Melbourne City, or Melbourne City are offering him a landing spot should he want to leave the Raw, uh, because they're apparently going to be missing Jamie McLaren for the A-League Finals. Yeah, um, look, I, I don't want to entertain this too much, you know, because there's a lot going on. There's, there's some, obviously, there's certainly, you know, just despite sort of the lack of sort of noise that's coming out of the raw, they're, they're, where there's where there's smoke and there's fire, and there's obviously an issue uh, with with uh, Scott McDonald there. That you know, we thought that if everything was okay, we thought he would have been back in the side for the game against Western Sydney Wanderers. Not only did he not. He wasn't even named in the squad, so I'm not sure where that's at. Not going to speculate, but look as far as yeah, this whole thing about Melbourne City goes, like uh, you know, it's like why why agitate? You know, you know if if Jamie, like I said, they surely they knew that Jamie McLaren, especially when he punch when he scores five goals, you know, you know the you know against the you know, Melbourne victory, which was you know a little unsurprising, but great nonetheless. Look, you always thought that he, he's probably the best striker that he's going to go for international representation. Why did they not cover this earlier? Like, you know, what? Now they're trying to trying to cause, you know, trying to cause friction, you know, at the Raw, you know, or, or any other club for that matter. It's just, it just happens to be the one that, you know, we're talking about. But again, you know, it's a case of the rule, the rules have got to be so clear that, you know, that you just can't, you just can't go around poaching players as time here. If there is any truth, look, uh, again, I, I don't really want to give Robbie Slayer too much cringe what he's heard. You know, it could be, it could be all true. It could be all complete bull. But yeah, it's one of those things that you know what we'll see what what happens. He was asked about it, Warren, in the press conference. He gave the same straight bad answer. He's not available for me at the moment. So it was the same answer he gave last week. So I don't think the situation's changed one little bit. I mean, look, I, there's some bizarre two-week A-League transfer window or something open at the moment. I mean, unless the Raw can bring somebody in who they actually genuinely want to bring in, keep hold of him. Yep. He's a goal scorer, and you might need him, and who knows, maybe the, maybe the situation might resolve itself, but there's no way I'd be giving him to Melbourne City, that's for sure, and they can figure it out for themselves how to fill their own gap. They've got a they've got a youth team last time I checked. The Raw found a couple of good kids in theirs. Maybe City have got one. There are <laughs> kids who play in Victoria, right, James? It's not just all Queenslanders who go down to the NPL, there are actually young Victorians, right? I assume it's all expats, Adam. Okay. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd be very disappointed if, you know, in a week's time that we hear the story that, oh, that Brisbane Raw, you know, have, have agreed to mutually terminate Scott McDonald's contract so he can go play at Melbourne City. I'd be, I'd be very disappointing. I think, again, you know, like I said, we all know the old cliche about, oh, that, you know, contracts don't mean a thing, but they should mean at least something. And especially when it comes to, you know, yeah, you know, feet. You know, helping a rival out or whatnot. Because, yeah, I just be will be very disappointed if the raw just yeah you know, decides oh for for the benefit of the squad and all that. You know, oh they mutually terminate if he wants to go in Melbourne City. No, make him set it out. Contracts yeah, mean it... everything. Ask Florentino Perez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look, I'm going to steal a phrase from around the horn, their usual B block stuff, and just say buy or sell. I'm selling, but. There clearly is something there. Scott McDonald, not even on uh, the unavailable list with the alleged an- ankle injury the club's PR arm is uh, saying that he's got. And, yeah, frankly, if he's got an ankle injury, he should be on the unavailable list, so that I don't even buy that story. Uh, if Scott McDonald is just kicking up a hissy fit, and, and this is all, again, speculation, because, you know, the Raw keep 
information like this uh, tighter than uh, guarded t- more tightly than the nuclear codes. But I overall, yeah. Like, then all we can do is speculate. I honestly think you know what, if he is trying to get out and just uh, have a little bit of a tantrum, stay home. Like I know, I know, money's gardening leave. Yeah, I know money is tied at the raw, but if he's just trying to say, oh, I'm not happy with how this is going, then you know what. Fine, go sit by your pool wherever you're living or something and, you know, enjoy the rest of the season on the TV because, quite frankly, yeah, I I just want to see the Raw show something resembling a spine here if this is, in fact, the case and say, no, you know what, you don't want to play, fine, just go. Like They could play City in the finals. Yeah. And he could come back and knock you out of the finals. There's no way I'd be letting him go. I wouldn't either. No yep. way. All right, and there was, uh, moving on just quickly, because we are trying to keep this fairly tight. Uh, We did miss this one story last week. The APL confirms expansion of the W League from 12 to 13 teams, possibly as early as next year. And, boy, this is really going to make that home and away season really tough to fit in the window that they've got for the W League, isn't it, Scott? It will, but it's on the back of that 2023 World Cup announcement, and we're going to see growth in women's football and... This is the first step. I think it's I think it's great. There's a couple of A-League teams in particular who really want a team. The Mariners want a yeah. team. Wellington want a team. Western United have made noises about wanting a team. Great. Yeah. And I think... So, see if you see how you can do it. And I think some certain prominent NPL sides uh, should be making sure that they've got an NPL women's team as well. Adam? Yeah, look, I just think that, you know, it should be part of the licensing. Like, if you, if you go enter an A-League side... You should have had a women's side as well. Like I said, I know the Wellington issue is a separate thing. Um, obviously, the, the issues with you know Baltic mo- movement and all that that seems to be solved now by the Trans Tasman bubble, but um, that may have caused some issues for the entry last season. Um, and, th- and thankfully for us Raw fans that you know that that didn't happen, otherwise we wouldn't have got live chance playing for the Raw this season. But um, yeah, I just think that you know it needs to come. It can't come soon enough where. Every A-League team that is in there, all 12 of them, should have a W-League team as well to match. Absolutely. All right. Uh, quick final uh, thought on this. What Would, would you rather uh, a just once through season, so let's say 14 rounds, I think. Is it 14 rounds with uh, 13 teams? Or 13 rounds with 14 teams or whatever it is. So everyone plays each other once and then finals, but you can have... Uh, some of the more higher-profile Matildas coming back and playing. You might be able to bring some players back from Europe. Or would you have a full home-and-away season that features a whole lot of players that uh, are also filling out their off-season in the National Premier Leagues? Scott? For the product, you'd go with what the, the, the former. I think they'd probably go with the latter. They'll want to grow the game. And the way you grow the game is you create more jobs and give more players opportunities to play at, at the professional level. That's what they'll do but the the lure will be to go with the shorter version and playing it more in a window where you can get those players. Adam? Look, I think, I think timing is everything. I think first of all they need to figure out, A, when's these European windows so we don't have the situation again where you have a number of players getting off to, to Europe just before the final. So they need to time that right. But beyond, But beyond that I think the shorter condensed season, I think, again, is the the product, is that what you need? I think, you know, less, less is more almost. You know, play each other once, which gets you through, you know, maybe 11 rounds, and then maybe have a second game against, like, a local rival. So, obviously, you have your Mel- your Melbourne derby, your Sydney derby, and, and sort of your, your big games um, to, to match. You know, Brisbane-Canberra would never get sick of that, you know, home and away. So, 
So, so yeah, I think, but I think no more than 14 rounds. I just don't think at this stage, asking for a full 22-round season, um, I don't think it's workable unless, unless these women are willing to you know, fly around midweek, which I just don't think they, there's the budget for it at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And that's where pretty much every issue in Australian football comes back to is where's the money going to be for it? Now, uh, the Olympic straw happened about two hours ago, and... Well, there's no really uh, other way to put it, but Australia got bent over a barrel and whacked with a cricket bat, didn't they, Scott? They did. The Oli Roos are in a really, really difficult group, aren't they? They've got Spain, Argentina, and Egypt, from memory, is it? And, Spain, Egypt, and we've got Argentina, yeah, the women. And then the, the Matildas have got the um, Tony Gustafsson special of Sweden, USA, and New Zealand. So <laughs> that's a really interesting group as well. So neither the of these group groups are easy, G. that's for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Look, we'll, I didn't think of that. We will obviously get into this in more depth as the Olympics get closer and closer. But I'll be honest, I wasn't overly optimistic about the Ollie Roos doing a whole lot there. Just getting there was a good start. Chances are they're going to try and find ways to bring in three overage players themselves. But yeah, the Matildas, well, look, as I said, that... Uh, doubleheader against the Netherlands and Germany was, well, let's be fair, crap, but I am also willing to give them a pass for it being just a horrible spot for them in their first game in 400-odd days. But this is also where we get to find out, was it actually just a bad spot, or is it a case of the Matildas are a lot further off, and maybe just not as good as people thought. So, yeah, we'll just have to see how that goes. Just, uh, Sorry, just one thing, just a quick analysis on that. It would be behooved of the Matildas that they should not look past July 21st against New Zealand. That's the game that will matter. That's the game that will that you know that will decide where they are going to spend beyond if they're even going to get to August in Japan or where they'll be flying home. That 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 that's the game. Um, but beyond that, you know, let's see what happens. But uh, Australia-New Zealand at the Olympic Stadium on July 21st, that is all they should be aiming for right now. Absolutely. Will the Oli Roos be in the competition longer than the Super League existed, James? <laughs> well, I th- yes, I think... And, uh, There's about three days between the first and second game. There's an over-under there. Yeah, I, it could actually be a very good uh, option for my day job. Speaking of the Super League, I'm going to give my somewhat censored initial reaction to to when the story broke Monday morning our time. What donkey-loving moron thought this was a bright idea? Scott, was your something similar to that? The answer to that question is Ed Woodward, by the way. But, yeah, mine was very, very similar. As a Manchester United fan, the idea of turning your back on the um, European Cup probably had so much rich history and it was just absolutely absurd and then you see what ridiculous nonsense they put together as a proposal and it's just it's a what a surprise it fell apart and it as quickly was created but it was a shambles but we don't we don't need to talk about the european angle of it so much it's more the australian angle and what it could mean for football here which i think is much more interesting and not necessarily just the a-league james there's four little things that i picked up out of this the first those is just last week we brushed over a story Central Coast Mariners potentially being bought by the Glazer family. That can't happen. They've shown their disdain for football. That cannot... That I don't care whether you think they should stay in Gosford, go to Sydney, go to the Gold Coast. It cannot happen under that ownership group. City Football Group are involved in football here. 
Now they weren't complicit in creating it, but they joined it. So you've got to look at but what what does that mean for their football here? Because we all know how important they were to to the independence issue here in Australia. So you've got to start looking at things like that with them. Thirdly, remember Tony Sage a few years ago talked about this um ridiculous some um, Southeast Asia ridiculous Super League where <laughs> potentially play games in Jakarta and Singapore and Kuala Lumpur. If this, if that European nonsense had have gone ahead, that Southeast yep. Asian Super League would have been straight back on the table. And the fourth thing I noticed, James, was we all got played with this because remember those friendlies four or five years ago, that International Champions Cup game that they brought to Australia and America and all the rest of it? It still is going that was a that was a That was a precursor to this. So we all got played. So the next time any of those clubs try, and they all came here, all those top six Premier League, Real Madrid came, Juventus came, I think. I, I, went, came. I went to Juventus top. Yeah, they all came oh, that, here. That just so sounds the next like punishment. Time, the next time any of those teams try and come to this country, it's, no, we don't want anything to do with it. So that's the first four things I thought of when I calmed down from my Manchester United-related anger some point yesterday afternoon when I started thinking about it more in the Australian context. I will admit I was that fired up about it that I actually said if I if it actually did go ahead, I would like to bury all my Arsenal stuff in a space bag in a you know deep, dark cupboard in my house, never bring it out again and find a new English club to support. Someone in uh, League One probably could have actually been an appealing option for all I care. Because that's a sort of just blatantly stupid and cynical move that, again, I'm no fan of Stan Kroenke in the way that he's managed Arsenal. But yeah, I just... It is a good reminder that, you know, when football fans do actually dislike something... it just shows how bad of an idea it was that it actually got every imaginable uh, corner of the football fan base to say, "No, we hate this. Don't do it." I think, yeah, that, I think sort of, yeah, I, I can't have any more than what you guys have. You guys have a unique, well, have perspectives being fans of clubs that were um, involved in this. You know, being an Everton supporter, lifelong. Um, look, sitting back, thinking, "Oh no, look, we, if they all get kicked out." We could be champions. So, um, <laughs> so I'm not going to really sort of complain about that. But yeah, look, I think it underscores the fact that I think these uh, that these clubs, and we'll look at the English perspective of it, is that all these owners, they read the room wrong. And while people, while the whole idea of the Champions League being a broken system and it was just being continually diluted, now we're up to... 36 teams in the group stage, I think, was proposed and all that. And this is what the reaction was against, but it was totally tone-deaf to what is. To, to basically turn your back on the domestic league, to turn your back onto the, you know, on the fans, basically, the grassroots. You know, as much as, you know, fans across England, you know, especially in lower leagues, hate the Premier League and hate, um, and to, you know, the, the and top... Until they get the, the top... chance to get in the Premier League, in which case... Exactly, so yeah. So they're basically exactly, South Melbourne. But at least... Yeah, at least <laughs> take a shot at South Melbourne, but yeah, at least you know that the, the, there are some privileges and there are some financial compensation that trickles down through the um, the leagues. Whether it's enough or not, that's complete. That's a completely different uh, conversation. But it, at the end of the day, it comes down to the fan. It's, it comes down to the fans got what they want, and yeah, basically, if the fans across all, all walks of their life across. All the football leagues in England were united in this. That just shows what a really, really, really dumb idea this was. And you know what? 
rest in peace, whatever. At least, at least it's been buried for now. Yeah, we might save the A League part of this for next week and the comparisons to the A League to the Super League. But James, this isn't over yet. Just because everyone's celebrating the fact that the Super League is dead doesn't mean this is finished yet. My club's got to get rid of those scumbag owners. Your club's got to get rid of your scumbag of an owner. This cannot be allowed to continue because they were going to walk away from their league. And they, there should be sanctions on those clubs for doing that. Just because it's all backed away now and oh, it's all it's all 24 hours later, it's all gone. No, you left and there's punishment for that. And, and if you... If simple you, wanna, that, you can't just yeah. leave and then try and come back and think, oh, it's all fine, nothing to see here. Yeah, I... Just on that quickly, it is almost like being in a relationship, having your partner say, oh, you know what? I actually kind of want to see what, you know, dating someone else is like, but just hang around in case I change my mind. I've had a friend that that's happened to, and yeah. Anyway. Look, I was going to say, the, 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 look, for those of us in Australia, we've actually seen this all unfold like this. You know, and um, like I said, those who... I'm sure that most of us, you know, would remember what happened in rugby league, you know, in the Super League war. That this is the same thing. That you know, that it was a case of Super League didn't just start in 1997 or the year before. Yeah, it happened two years earlier, where it, eventually the Brisbane Broncos and News Limited were able to to, to talk them talk them away from breaking away, and they signed agreements and whatnot. And without any punishment or that. And in the meantime, it just drove them underground. And then they had another shot at two years later and they're successful. So I agree wholeheartedly with Scott. Just because they've all withdrawn and they've all they've all said sorry. I saw some I saw a two minute video of you know, John Henry on, on social media for Liverpool, you know, apologising and all that. No, it's not good enough. Because if you don't punish them now, what's to stop them in two years' time to try it again? And this time they will be successful. Because they would have learnt the lesson this time. Yeah, and he do, he does also bear mentioning that it, you know FIFA, UEFA, etc. Not exactly, you know, they haven't exactly got clean hands. But considering the alternative, they are still a better option. The only point I would like to make from a local local perspective, comparing the formation of the Super League to the move from the NSL to the A League is like comparing apples to car tires. But yeah. it's it's too. And we're all supportive of a second division in the A League. We just want to see how it can be done practically and affordably. As soon as I think we see that, I think the three of us will probably be on board with it. But you want you got to see that happen. But yeah, you're right, James. The comparison between the A League, yeah, and the, to, from the NSL to the A League and the, the, whatever all of European leagues to a Super League, it's not the same. Yeah, they you, have a pyramid. Yeah. They have a pyramid. They're trying to break away from. We're trying to create one. Yeah, and also, and yeah, I just keep saying. The change from the NSL to the A-League was necessary because if the NSL went much longer, then I don't think we would have a professional football league in this country, we, and we wouldn't have had one for the last 15 years. But on that as well, yeah, it, it is. it does take such a monumentally bad idea to make Qatar 2022 seem like the second stupidest idea in football. But, yeah. Adam? Look, I was going to say that, you know what, again, I, I agree... With, uh, with Scott again about, you know, the A-League and, you know, like I said, looking for a pyramid and all that, we can't even align it. And, uh, and then people are making comparisons saying, oh, the, you know, the A-League is like the Super League. You want, you want to ask how, like I said, you know, the, py- the football pyramid in England has been in existence for 100 years. We can't even get that right. So you can't compare it. Look, you want to see how hard getting that pyramid goes. Just ask Football Queensland at the moment. They can't even get their pyramid right. 
Yeah. And we're, we're, we're comparing and we're comparing the A-League to the European Super League. Come on. Yeah, look, it's pretty obvious where a lot of those yeah. comparisons are coming from and certain oh. dinosaurs. And also those dinosaurs who basically have said, start up a second division and let the community clubs fail because for some reason that's what they seem to continually hark back to about the National Second League, or NSL for short, where, you know what, let the clubs fail. That seems to be the overarching... Uh, sentiment I hear from some of the geniuses on Twitter saying, you know what, start the second division and let the clubs fail. That's their overarching thing. Don't get get, bought into the whole rhetoric of, oh, it's good to bring back the clubs with the historic fan bases and stuff, when it's also followed with, let the clubs fail if they don't manage themselves properly. Because they're going to be the first ones that then come out and say, you know what, we like that it's someone else's fault that they that this didn't succeed the second division or the clubs in the second division didn't succeed because they're then trying to create a win-win scenario where they can say we got in but you let us down and it's even though right now they're saying let the clubs fail that's the overarching sentiment and that's also why you need to realize who is making these co- uh, comparisons online and be smarter because let's be honest the internet, especially Twitter, is a haven for morons. Okay. It's a a cesspit, and my plan eventually is to get successful enough that I don't need a Twitter account because I can feel my brain cells dying every time I'm on it. Okay. Moving on. A-League preview. The Raw's Anzac Day fixture is back, this time against Perth. Got a pretty good record against Perth. The Glory are actually struggling at the moment. I think they've taken two points from their last six away games. I'm actually feeling pretty good about their chances here. And overall, Scott, would you change anything for Sunday's clash? No, I'm also feeling pretty good about this game. I mean, the Glory have been struggling. You're right. They lost to Wellington at home last week, and that's a massive three points for the Knicks. But I wouldn't change a damn thing about this team. Why? The last two games at home have been abs- last two games from the start have been fantastic. The only change I'd make is I'd add young Cyrus Demi to the bench. That's the only change that's needed. The starting lineup's playing really well. The bench is doing really well. So, assuming Tom Aldred is fit to play, I wouldn't make anything. If he's unavailable, of course, you bring in maybe Jack Hingott and slide Neville into the middle, or you just bring in Truem. But it's they've got options there now, James. There's fit options on the bench who are good enough to make real contributions as a starter. So. They're in a great spot, but if everyone's fit, I'm not changing anything. If it ain't broke, why fix it? Yep. That's that's pretty much where I keep landing as well. Like, they've got something working as well, and let's assume that the PR arms claim that McDonald is, ju- is actually injured and just say, yeah, I honestly still wouldn't bring him back in because at yep. the moment, they don't need him. Like, Perth Glory have got an overage guy that uh, is pretty good going forward but doesn't really contribute defensively in Diego Castro. Uh, I don't know what that has to do with McDonald. I just wanted to get a shot in at Diego Castro and his laziness. Anyway, the one thing that I'm actually curious about is obviously, you know, we are moving into cooler weather uh, as we get into April. This is a 2pm kickoff. Do you think that's going to possibly impact the energy levels of the Raw at all, Adam? Uh, 
look, I think it, I think it works into their advantage. If 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 it does, if it's a bit more warmer and a bit of humidity, um, again, this is a case of this raw raw sort of advantage. Every every time they seem to play, you know, during the day, they put up a very very good performance because they just outrun their their opponents. And look, Perth aren't travelling that well at the moment. Let's let's, let's be frank about that. And um, they're an they're an older squad. And um, yeah, it's up it's up to the raw to actually execute that game plan and make make them work for every you know every centimeter but um yeah i think you know the, the warmer it is and the more humid i think that's in, in raw's favor there we go so scott yeah what are we going to be talking about this time next week i think we're talking about a third straight win for the brisbane raw and i'll go out on a limb and say alex parsons has his first goal involvement i'll say it'll be a goal it might be an assist but i'll say he'll be involved in something adam no McDonald, no worries. I've got two things I'm going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about next week. Firstly, is John Henry hated more in Liverpool or in Boston? Secondly, <laughs> I think we're going to be talking about the Raw winning an Anzac Day shootout. I think if they get going and fire from the start, they could they could wind up putting a similar score on Perth than what they did on uh, Melbourne victory back in early February. Because Perth, let's be fair, not the most stout side defensively. I could honestly see them really getting going and trying to put on a show. And if you remember the last time the Raw hosted an Anzac Day fixture, I think we're going to see a uh, wild and wacky penalty attempt as well. I was going to say, isn't that mandatory? It has to be. <laughs> and also... It d- that was a crazy game, actually, when you think back to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do also remember possibly the best pass by a Raw player not named Thomas Broich that I've seen from Zach Duncan that day playing uh, Nick D'Agostino through... For the penalty, and uh, yeah, that was a very. I, I saw highlights of that, and uh, like eight out of ten for Nick D'Agostino on the dive. Uh, like he, he, did, he did get fouled, <laughs> but was no, the, the somersault landing was worth eight, at least eight out of ten. He might get a, he might be going. He might, well, he's definitely in the hunt for the go Olympics. If not for the football, he can stay for the diving. Double, double duty for Nick D'Agostino. All right, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Hello to Nick Dagestino if he's listening to that, by the way. I'm sure he'd love that comparison, but good to talk to you once again, James. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, boys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a fun week with a lot to recap, and hopefully we'll be back to recap another win for the Raw in a week or so. And, uh, yeah, have a good week. Get out to the FFA Cup this weekend if you can. Have a very good long weekend, and we'll talk to you next week on the Brisbane Football Review.